All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another edition of PLY Union Podcast. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, JP Zapata. And of course, as always, I am thankful to be joined by the dear Renee Washington. Renee, what's going on? <laughs> JP, nothing much. I'm excited. I'm excited. We have uh, plenty to talk about today, yes. that's for sure. Uh, have a great guest coming on. And uh, it's it's a new week. It's a new yeah. chance. We've got a break in the schedule for the union with the international break. But we still got stuff to talk about, So guys. it gives us a chance to really take a step back and recap a lot of things we've been seeing. So yeah, JP, I'm, I'm thrilled for what we've got in store for today. Yeah, absolutely, guys. We're going to have special guests. We have a lot to talk about. Obviously, a match Saturday. It is international break, so we'll break down everything. I know everybody wants to talk about hashtag pay Kai Wagner. We'll get to that <laughs> as well. Uh, but of course, today we're going to bring in our very special guest. I'm thrilled to have on here. This man has been grinding for the last couple of years. I was blessed to be his first guest on his podcast. Love that. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us here today from the Free Kick Podcast, please welcome Todd Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, What's guys? On? Thanks for inviting me onto the podcast. It's uh, great to, I guess, kind of have the favorite return, right, Johnny? Like you mentioned, uh, you were my first guest, and now you, you return the favor with uh, Philly Union. So thank you to Johnny and Renee. Dude, thank you for coming on, man. It's it's truly a pleasure and honor, Todd. You've been grinding over the past couple of years. I love your mind, and I love your insight on the Philadelphia Union, so we definitely had to get that here today. And it's an interesting time here with the Union, Todd. Uh, obviously, maybe not the same feeling we had last mm-hmm. year, but, dude, we still have an opportunity here. The playoffs seem to be wide open, and and we, we've got some stuff to talk about here, Todd. Something like that. I mean, that, that Nashville game, we don't have to talk about that too much. I mean, a 0-0 game, but I'm sure we'll talk about it. And uh, you, you talked about it, Kai Wagner. I'm sure we'll get into that conversation as well. So, uh, surprisingly, I guess, yeah, there is a lot to talk about. And real quick, Todd, so for people who aren't familiar with you or the Free Kick Podcast, kind of tell us a little bit about the Free Kick Podcast and your work that you've been doing over the past couple of years. Yeah, so uh, I've been covering the union since 2019. I uh, became a full season credential member for the media in 2021 and have been in the press box ever since. So it's been a blast being able to talk to Jim Curtin, the players, and just you know building the, the, the connections with a whole bunch of people in Philadelphia and then outside, you know, I, I was blessed to be able to go to Colorado this year. And I, I got to give a shout out to my guys over at uh, Denver Rapids, Mitch, uh, Yaya, and Dwayne. So it, it's funny enough, I, I found out about their podcast because they had my good friend uh, Jordan Angelo in the podcast back in May. And uh, I was like, this is pretty good. And then when I heard that uh, All City was coming to Philadelphia, I was like, let's go. That's great for the city of Philadelphia. And so, yeah, since 2019 covering the Union, I uh, try to do a match preview episode, a match review episode, uh, match preview. I try to get MLS commentators onto the show. If I can't, then I try to get journalists on. So yeah, it's been a nice grind just building these connections with people all over the league. And uh, it's nice to finally meet Renee, too. I- I've seen her for years, I feel like uh, 2020 working with the union, I believe, right? And it sucks that that was the COVID year, right? So you couldn't fully anticipate a, a fully packed Subaru Park. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you think back, it's not that long ago that we had an empty Subaru Park um, supporter shield year that was one that you would have loved to have had fans in attendance. And being with the union at that time, it was it was just such an eye-opening experience for just how much this union team 
feeds off of their fans too. I, I remember them talking about it game after game after game. And then to see fans slowly start coming back in 2021. And I mean, this team as a whole, and I know when we had Ali Bedoya on PHLY Union podcast and our very first guest uh, being Ali, something we talked about was this team as a whole, every single season has taken strides. They've accomplished more. They've gone further into the postseason. They've got, done better in international play. They're still, of course, missing that most important step of being able to win an MLS Cup. But we've seen them getting closer. And obviously last season getting to the finals was that part. So I know for all of us, I'm sure we can agree, it's so great to be a part of the discussion around the union as they've been continuously progressing as a team. But it's now time to see some of that progress turn into more wins, more results, more hardware overall. Let's be honest. I mean, we aren't complacent with just getting to the postseason. And I know that all the guys have said that too. The postseason's not the goal. So it's been great as you talk about each of our journeys and how like our careers have helped us come together. It's time for our careers to also come together and be talking about a championship. Yes. Period, Todd. Let's cross those paths. <laughs> so listen, before we even dive into that, though, I know we all have a great opportunity this week uh, to be able to get on the pitch ourselves. For anybody that's not aware, we do have in Philly every year the union put together a fantasy media camp, which allows the media to come out and have a, a full afternoon of playing like a pro. You get to go through some film. Jim Curtin's going to put us through some drills. We're going to have, you know, a photo op. Of course, we're going to end with a happy hour. So maybe that's a little different than playing like a pro. <laughs> but overall, we get a full afternoon of the, the gamut of being at Subaru Park, getting our gear, getting our, you know, our own personalized kits and everything. So I know, Todd, you'll be in attendance for that. What are you what are you looking forward to for the media camp day? Uh, not getting injured. I think that's the big thing right there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean that, that's goal number one. Don't get injured. So and then just building those connections, many people maybe that I haven't met before, and just uh, socializing and um, you know just selling everybody's hard work covering this team, um, trying to bring as much coverage to the union in the city as possible. I mean, I know that's been your goal since day one, Johnny. Right, ever since you started covering the union, is trying to turn those four for fours into five for fivers, or we can say six for sixers because of the wings. So. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot to look forward to, but yeah, I think that's my goal. Just don't get injured. <laughs> that's a good goal. Yeah, that's that a good is, goal. Just good stay goal. healthy. Look, that is the hard part as adults is like, now we all, I know. I, know I, I wish I could play soccer all the time. People always ask me, do you play anymore? And I'm like, for women, once you stop playing professionally or stop playing even in college, there's not a lot of opportunity to play if you just want to play for fun without the risk of like that wacky person that wants to be slide tackling or going a little bit too hard. And now you're going into work with an injury. We don't want that. We don't want to be at games on crutches or anything if we can avoid it at least. So Guys, none of us are making the team. Let's get that out the way. <laughs> We're not taking a show off there. There might be some openings though. So oh. I hear we might be trying out for some openings, especially at that left back position. Hey now, hey now. <laughs> It should, it should be a lot of fun. These are always fun. And, and like Todd said, like just meeting everyone because like this is like a relaxed environment. We're not actually covering the team. We're there to kind of, you know, it's it's, it's kind of for, for giggles, honestly, I feel like. But, you know, just being embracing that. Um, just Jim being open as he is, you know, just kind of explaining how like even tactics work. It's so cool. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. What number did you pick, Renee? I can't tell you. Oh, Renee. 
nice. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I picked number three. That that was always my number growing up. And okay. then in college, I was number 18. So full full disclosure. <laughs> first of all, for those of you guys tuning in, welcome. Make sure you're hitting the like button. Make sure you're commenting. Join the conversation. We want you to be a part of the conversation too, not just watching. But I know for me, um, my entire childhood I was number three okay and so I like I have so many memories of, of get number three pick up number three pick up Renee my jerseys I still have some of them number three and then my rule was if I couldn't be number three this is how wacky we are as soccer players if I couldn't be number three for a team mm. I would pick a number that was a multiple of oh. three so I was like okay number 21 you know, three is a multiple of 21 or Works. 18 was my college number for that exact reason. So very dorky, I know. But it was like, if it can't be number three, it's got to be a number where I guess three is the multiple of it, whatever that mathematically makes out to be. Well, um, I'll be 13, so, I was 18. so there you go. Oh, there you go. It had to have a connection to three. That was always my rule. Oh, Todd, do you have a number that you have picked out? This is perfect, right? So we're going to go 10, three equals 13. <laughs> Todd, the number 10. I love that, man. I love that. I love These that. are guys that out here. I love that. <laughs> well, it is 10-10 day. Happy 10-10 yes. day. I know the MLS put out a tweet of El Dia de Mese Diez because um, this is the day where you celebrate all the 10s across the league. We saw our very, very own Daniel Gazdag in that mix. So I like the we're 3, 10, and 13. I love it. I love it all. It all makes sense to me. It all makes sense to me. But yeah, multiples of three was always my thing, which okay. now that I th I'm like, wow, I was an interesting child. Now you know, guys. There you go. All right. Well, let's talk about this team. Uh, okay. So the union have hit a skid of draws. They are at least getting results. Could be worse. These ties could be L's. So I guess there's a positive. We've seen some low scoring. Um, we've seen them struggling offensively. We've seen them struggling to hold on to results. Mm -hmm. We've seen them come back from being down. We've seen a little bit of everything. Of course, we did see them get a win in this last stretch. Now, Jim Curtin did say and has been prefacing going into this last remainder of regular season games. Of course, there's still one left in a couple of weeks saying with full expectation, these are going to be hard games. These are all teams that you're competing for in the standings. These are also teams that are and should be in the playoff. They're in the playoff hunt, just like the union of locking in spots. So even once the union clinched against, you know, way, way, way back when what it feels like on that Wednesday game against Charlotte, still the expectation that it doesn't get easier from here. Well, the union have made it pretty difficult yeah. for themselves and for us at times. The frustration is there. Um, Todd, we've talked on this show a lot about it. I know you've talked a lot about it, but what are your thoughts on what is keeping the union from getting those results to tie versus getting three points in these games that we've been seeing? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the finishing isn't there. And Jim Curtin talked about it after the Nashville game saying, you know, we created chances. We just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. We brought Mikhail Ua off the bench, created chances, couldn't find the back of the net. And I feel like that that's something that's been off about the union this whole season. Last year, I feel like every single player, were having career years where every little flick was coming off. Every counterattack was coming off. And this year, it's just not coming off. And especially in this eight-game unbeaten run, which kind of seems crazy enough that we're all upset. But the Union haven't lost a game in eight straight games. And, I mean, that's one thing to be positive about, I feel like. But on the other hand, it's like you have six draws out of those eight games unbeaten. And you, you want to turn those draws into wins. But I think my biggest concern is... They had the lead against Cincinnati. They blew it against Cincinnati. They had the lead against Columbus. They blew it against Columbus. Atlanta almost came back. And in the second half, Atlanta 
probably should have tied the game up. I, I know uh, Gonzalo Pineda, the Atlanta United manager, said after the game that, yeah, we probably should have had another penalty kick and, and the referees didn't give it. But, I mean, it, it was just a night and day difference, just like we saw in that Cincinnati game from the Atlanta game. Union were great in the first half. Second half, the light bulb switched off, and I think it's probably a credit to Cincinnati and Atlanta. Let's not take anything away from them. But the Union have to find a way to punish teams. It's like you're taking care of business on the first half. That's great, but find a way to close out games. And I think that's my biggest concern with this team is holding one to a lead. It's funny because, you know, last year that was the narrative, right? Like they get one goal and it's like an avalanche and that's 6 nothing, right? This year, not so much. Todd, I wanted to ask you because this is like a trend throughout the league. You're starting to see more. Mm -hmm. The amount of matches we played, right? We played a lot more than we have in years prior. And that's one thing that Jim has kind of alluded to. For you personally, how much do you put that on just the amount of match you played and fatigue overall? Yeah, I think that's a huge issue is that none of these players have played this many games. I mean, maybe Mikhail Ua when he was with Bronby playing in the Europa uh, League qualifiers there. But nobody else on this team's used to playing. We're going to approach 50 games by the end of the season, which is insane to think about. And I, I I get the fans saying, you know, Jim Curtin needs to sub players faster. He needs to do this. He needs to do that. But at the end of the day, and he said it again after the Nashville game, the players that were out on the field are the players that are going to get it done to us. And yeah, hearing that, that doesn't sound great for the players that are on the bench, right? But I... I mm. It's, it's an issue that they're playing this many games and we're not seeing as many substitutions as we like. But at the same time, I mean, Jim's right. I mean, between Uwe, Gazag, and Karanza, they've scored over 100 goals together, the front three in the last two seasons. That's a ton of goals scored. And of course, I mean, we've seen injuries to Kai Wagner, Leon Flock, Jacob Glesnes, Jose Martinez. And, you know, I think that's a part of a lot of games played. And I, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but that whole League's Cup, like I feel at the end of League's Cup, that should have been the end of MLS. I think the Union played seven games right there, and it's like, all right, the season should be over. But we still had the second half of MLS to be played, and we still haven't reached playoffs yet. And it's not just the Union that are seeing injuries. I mean, look at LAFC. They've had a lot of injuries. They're a team that went far in the CONCACAF Champions League, like the Union, went far in the League's Cup, like the Union. And so this is what's going to happen. You know, the more injuries, the more games you play, more players are going to get injured. And so I hope MLS at the end of the season look at expanding the roster and maybe bringing in more players. I know the MLSPA wouldn't be against that because that means that's more jobs for more players in the league. But can you get the owners to agree to upping the cap, upping the roster spots? We'll see. Yeah, I know, Ian uh, Fitzmaier, welcome in. You're saying that we What's need up, to Ian? fix this problem before the playoffs because there's no room for error in the playoffs. Yeah, I think, you know, on one side, you're seeing a team in the union that's struggling to, to put games away. Uh, they have outshot their last four opponents alone, 123 to 67 in shots. So they're like doubling their opponents in shots, essentially, um, outside of the Columbus crew game where Columbus completely outshot them. And yeah, <laughs> but overall, they have been offensively creating chances. They've been struggling to finish. And that is a huge difference from last year. I think uh, one part of that is, after a run to the MLS Cup, we don't expect this team to come back and be taken the same way. Every team across the league for LAFC, for the Philadelphia Union, have gone into the matches against them with the expectation of, I want to knock off the big dogs. I want to show that we too belong 
in, in a deep play, uh, playoff run. We also belong in the MLS Cup. So I do think that the union have struggled a bit with that target on their back, that people are going to have their best game against them. They're not going to take them lightly. And then on the other side, you add in all the games, as we talk about, Todd and, and JP, we've talked about this many times, amongst ourselves, amongst others, Jose Nunez, welcome. I know you've also talked about this. A lot of us have been talking about the amount of games that these guys are playing. It's unreal. So, yes, you can look at since August 30th, the union have only won two games in their eight outings. But also with those six draws, to me, it's a sign of fatigue. It's a sign of hitting a wall because these, are, these guys are logging so many minutes. And in addition to the minutes, it's also a mental aspect. Playing that many games requires you to have your routine, you're away from your family, you're traveling more, you know, you're, you have a lot more on your schedule that you have to prepare for versus having one or two games per week, you've got that flow going, and now come playoff time, you're ready to make a big playoff push versus now what we're seeing across the league, what feels like everybody hitting the wall at the worst part of the season, yeah. postseason. Yeah, and, and to that point too, I don't want to go too far into the offseason talk because we still have a season here. Yeah. But... Last year, last offseason, obviously, listen, Ernst's offseason plan left a lot to be desired. I mean, Joaquin Torres is barely seeing the pitch. Andres Pereira is already on loan with NYCFC. And Damian Lowe has showed spurt some good play. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discredit him. But Todd, for you personally, what do you see as Ernst's plan this upcoming offseason? Because obviously depth was a big issue this year. Oh, yeah, 100 percent depth was an issue. And I think to his credit, he tried to address that in the offseason. Like you said, they brought in Joaquin Tours. Wasn't going to play in Montreal, so you have a whole bunch of GAM, and it's funny, right? Because GAM gets you nothing other than what MLS it offers you. You can't use it in the international transfer market, so it's like, might as well spend it, take a punnel on these players, and if they don't work out, they don't work out. So you bring in Joaquin Tours. Hasn't really worked out for him. You bring in Damian Lowe. I think it's worked out pretty well for him. And nobody was asking Damian Lowe to replace Jacob Glesnitz or Jack Elliott. But to be, you know, that third center back, what Steve Finley was, I think Damian Lowe has taken every advantage of every opportunity. And he just came off, in my opinion, his best game in a union shirt against Nashville, completely shut down Hani Mukhtar. And then you look at Andres Perea. You're right, Johnny. Wasn't really getting too many chances with the union. During CONCACAF Champions League, I believe he had two or three goals or something. We're like, why isn't this guy playing more? And then he got cast away to the shadows. You see him with New York City. They play They play in a 4-2-3-1 system just like he did down in Orlando City. And so maybe, you know, for whatever reason, the 4-4-2 diamond, the pressing cues and whatnot, wh whatever you want to find to blame, didn't work out here in Philadelphia. And that's not to say in the offseason he comes in and sets the world on fire like Jesus Bueno did this offseason. And so I, I think it's very important that the union go out there and sign a backup to Daniel Gazlag, a player maybe a little bit different than Daniel that isn't a goal scorer, maybe a traditional 10. And I know there isn't really any traditional 10s anymore in the world of soccer because 10s are now your goal scorers, not your creators. But maybe the union should go out and look for a player like that because your, your teams like Nashville that sit deep, play in that low block, two rows of four. Daniel Gazlag, no offense to him, but... It's not his game plan to unlock teams that way. Jack McGlynn, absolutely with his passing ability. A walking tours, I thought, should have came in against Nashville with, you know, his 1v1 ability, like we've seen El Senior over the years. And I think the team really lacks that. And so just getting that difference maker off the bench that can beat you on the dribble, that, that team does not have. And so maybe that's something Ernst Tanner needs to address in the offseason. And then Julian Kranza, we all expect him to be sold this offseason. You're going to need another striker. 
I was hoping it was going to be Jose Riasco, who Union 2 signed, and now they loaned him out because, for whatever reason, it wasn't working out here in uh, Union 2. And so you're definitely going to need another striker. So I think it's going to be a huge offseason for Ernst Tanner. I think his biggest since he first took over in 2019 for the Union. Yeah, you know, I think it's a really good point you bring up about the depth because to your point, and I know, Jose, you're saying in the the comments as well, to be fair and to be a devil's advocate, the MLSPA did agree to all this within CBA. Ian, you're also addressing the amount of games that we're playing and the fact there's no break. The games are overlapping. Um, You know, there's no traditional break. And even now you have an international break where you do have time where teams don't have games, but their guys are going and playing somewhere else. Um, but what it does force is it's a, it makes it a survival of the fittest type of a situation where it's not just about talent. It's about how you're managing your players, how you're building that depth and how you're getting those other guys involved. And you have to make sure you're not playing 12, 13 guys game in and game out. You have to go deeper into your bench and early on in the season, now get players like how we saw Nate Harriel's been growing in his role and then Bizo at outside back or, you know, getting someone like Quentin Sullivan more minutes or Ty Baribo, getting other guys minutes quicker so that when you have to go to them to give Daniel Gazdag or Kai Wagner's out, you have to give them a, a break. Damian Lowe could step on the back line, whatever it is, you have those options. So it does make for coaches, you have to manage your team in a different way because you're not just coaching for this specific game. You're coaching to preserve players for the longevity of the season that now come playoff time, you know you can rotate anybody into the mix. And unfortunately, I feel like the union have struggled, and we talked about it, most with that in the midfield, which is a tough position to not have depth. When you look at a Leon Flack who goes down injured, and then obviously we've seen how Jack McGlynn's done well in the midfield. Ali Bedoya, who just had his 200th career start, is a little bit further down in his miles and got some heavy mileage on the tank. So you have to find the opportunities you can to instill that confidence, get meaningful minutes, get guys involved, keep guys involved, and make sure they're always ready when their name is called. So I think that's something the union have a decent job, done a decent job of, but it does make it that much more important that coaches are from the very beginning of the season instilling those opportunities in their players. Yeah, but I feel very optimistic of what you're saying because of those type of things are extremely important come playoff time. And I've, and they've proved to you in tournament-like situations, those type of attributes as what got them pretty far. A lot of teams are going through what the union are going through. And yeah. I think that what the union being built the way they are does bring a little optimism to me. But no, like watching them play, it doesn't feel the same way as last year. And so there, that's where the concern from the fan base does come from. But we're built different. And I, that's, where, that's where I lean towards come playoff time. Yeah, and also I'm not that heavily... Like, I hear what people are saying that the offense last year obviously had a remarkable season of production in terms of goals and assists and the ability to put teams away. But you're not expecting that to continue season after season. That's a really hard thing to maintain, Todd. I don't know if you agree with that, but I feel like, you know, you have those lightning in a bottle seasons where you're like breaking records and you're having historic numbers in production. It's hard to maintain that season after season with just the amount of changes you have in your roster, the amount of games you're playing, and the fact that other teams aren't going to continue to allow you to do those same things. The things that you were getting away with last year, the things that were working well, okay, people have been paying attention to film. They've been paying attention on the scouting report, and they're not going to continue to give up those same types of goals. So I don't think it's just as much about the union dropping off as much as the league. It's it's hard to stay at the top of the MLS. I don't know, Todd, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because these games run... 
so close to each other. I think it was after Atlanta. Daniel Gosnick said just that in the locker room that, you know, teams watch film. They know the runs. They know the passes that Carranza, Ua, and Gosnick are going to make. So, I mean, the union aren't catching anybody by surprise. And I think that's a credit to how the league's involving, getting better and better. They're signing more players. You know, it's better scouting. It's better coaching in the league. And as much as, you know, that might hurt to say as union fans that the league's getting better. I mean, I think as soccer fans, I think that's what we want to see. We want to see MLS get better. And um, it's um, it's a good point that you bring bring up, Renee. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And I've I've been in those situations as a player. You know, it's when you are able to have success doing things, you also have to find ways to evolve. And I think that's where we're seeing right now. The union have had these ties. You talk about those, you know, six games of ties. Um, I think that's a big reason why, because right now they're being challenged in a whole different way than they've been in the past. You got fatigue. You've got your the mental pressure of the playoff push and wanting to clinch, which they obviously did. But then now, okay, you're playing for home games. You're playing for more. There's always something to play for. And then on top of that, teams have your number. They're not gonna. They're not going to continue to make the same mistakes. They're making adjustments, and the union now are finding ways to make adjustments. And again, at least they're getting a, a result and a tie. But I think that's why I'm somewhat optimistic heading into the postseason because it's not a matter of them just getting outplayed. I think we've seen them in waves and in flashes where they look really good. Yeah. It's just they haven't been able to finish. It's been a post. It's been just wide. It's been whatever. Um, but they're generating opportunities offensively. There's just some fine tuning that needs to be made for sure. And staying healthy would help. It's always the key, <laughs> always the key there. Should we talk some Nashville? Yeah, let's talk some about Nashville. Nashville. Um, you know, th- I'll let you jump in first. You, yeah, were, yeah. you were able to be down at Subaru Park, JP. So I'll let you jump in first before we give Todd yeah, a chance yeah. to share stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, like, you know, nil-nil draw against Nashville. And it's funny because during the preview show, we said it would be exciting and it really wasn't that, <laughs> but it was typical Nashville and Philly in the meet. What I mean by that is it was a, if you love defense, especially in this sport, that's why you tuned in on Saturday night. You saw the emphasis of both teams. The union had a strong defensive structure. And, you know, we talked about earlier the union not being able to finish. Well, that's a really tough team to do it against Nashville. They're extremely physical. They, they they hold their responsibilities down, and that's really what I saw there. Uh, Todd, you mentioned Damian Lowe. I'm going to say he was the best player on the night. Um, the Huni Mukhtar assignment, spectacular. And you can see the ability there. Like, you see the athletic ability. You see the physicality. And that's why I get so high on Damian Lowe. But then you get, like, those Miami matches, and you're just wondering, like, what, what, what what's going on, Damian? What's going on? And you love seeing him clap back on Twitter as well. But that that's why I feel confident as well. Defensively, that was probably one of the best matches I've seen by the Union in a while. Um, Nashville also going through their fatigues as well. Like we talked about, a lot oh, of yeah. matches for them as well. I, I, Gary Smith, I, I mean, maybe throw something else differently besides trying to go I-95 with Hune Mukhtar. I don't know. <laughs> that that That's them. Um, But overall, it was a point, and I know we're not happy drawing five out of our last six. Nashville is tough, and we got a point, and and I'm happy with that. Now, next match, we'll talk about later. You got to take care of that. But on Saturday, I I saw a typical Philly-Nashville matchup. What about you, Todd? Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head. It was a typical Philadelphia Union and Nashville C match where 
Nashville, I talked about it. You're going to play a low block. Play the best low block, I think, out of anybody in MLS. I mean, there's a reason why they conceded the least amount of goals in the league. And it was always going to be tough with Union to break down Nashville defensively. And I know we saw a 2-0 game down in Nashville back in, I don't know, June, July. Like I said, I mean, so many games. It all runs together. But, you know, this is a team that's trying to move up. Nashville, that is, trying to move up in the playoff standings. And so they had everything to play for. It's not like they came in here just to park the bus and, all right, let's uh, just walk away with a point. Because they did have opportunities. I mean, we, we saw so many times Nashville would win the ball back in the defensive half of the field, get Dax McCarty on the ball, play a long ball up top to Hani Mukhtar, and Damian Lowe shut him out. I mean, there was one play, I think, in the second half where Hani got past him, but Damian Lowe's speed was able to catch up to Hani and then tackle the ball, win it back. Uh, we saw Teal Bunbury, I think, beat Damian Lowe as well in the second half one time. But the Union, they, they, they did a good job containing the three players that Nashville sent forward. It's just, you know, finding ways to put the ball back in the net. And I, I'm a little bit afraid. I don't know about you guys, but I have a strong feeling these two teams are going to meet again in the playoffs. And I would not be shocked if we see three straight games going to penalty kicks. I just oh. won it. And uh, Jim Curtin said, you know, everybody's going to be bored out of their mind if these two teams meet each other in the playoffs. And I think he's exactly <laughs> right. I mean, be prepared for three straight penalty games. It's going to happen. Gosh, I hope not. I really hope not. But uh, it, it makes you wonder. It's always a defensive battle. It's always a grinded out game. Even that July matchup uh, was the same way. And with just how much the union have struggled to score, that is where you could see it coming down to penalty kicks. Um, but back to the original point about Damian Lowe, I think no. the hard part for anybody defensively is it's a lot of pressure when you're stepping in the back line, especially as a center back. And obviously we've seen the union in a three back and a four back. Damian Lowe has been able to help them have that flexibility, but regardless of what your formation looks like, it's, it's all about, it is a lot about confidence. It's a lot about chemistry. Um, I know Jillian Welcomins, you guys that are just joining in spiral out. Nice to have you here. Also. I know you're, I see some familiar names, uh, Jillian welcome, but it was one of Damien's best games. I agree. I feel like he had Mukhtar's number, but that's a game that's going to go such a long way for confidence and just that chemistry as center backs. I know it coaches, my coaches always talk about, it's like a marriage, like you and your center back counterpart have to be on the same page. Along with your keeper and Andre Blake, you ought to be on the same page of what you're doing, where you're going, where you're shifting, how you're organizing in like half a second. Like there's no time. There's no room for error. And I think coming in with the way that Jack and, and Jacob play back there, it's a lot of pressure to step in, and especially for defensive player of the year. And it doesn't um, help when your coach is a former center and back. It doesn't help when your coach <laughs> is a former center back. Great point. So I know Jim has talked about uh, Damian specifically and how he's he's impressed with and encouraged with his progress. And he's been working with him on like tweaking those mistakes. Obviously, we've seen him miss clear ball and it ends up in the back of the net or not matched up properly and you're giving up goals or, or good chances, but we have seen the, the progress. So a huge positive is as we're all talking about one of Damien's best games comes yeah. at the later part of the season, which is what we want to see the, you're going to make a mistake, but how are you overcoming that? How are you learning from that? And is it going to continue? So for Damien Lowe alone, along with other players like Nate and different guys, a lot of guys you're seeing trending in the right direction. So maybe offensively, we're not getting the production in terms of goals, mm. But in terms of all around the pitch, you are getting the production that you want in terms of holding, you know, these top teams and good players 
off the scoreboard. Todd, real quick, I want to ask you. So Jim's shown some tactical flexibility this year between the 4-4-2 diamond and a three-back side as well. In the playoffs, what do you see as Damien's role particularly? That's funny. I was going to ask you guys the same question, too. I mean, with the game that Damien just had against Nashville, does Jim Curtin, if the Union play Nashville again, does he continue to play him? Who's the odd man out? Jacob Glesnitz, Jack Elliott, did they go to a three-back system? Jim Curtin said, you know, when everybody's oh, healthy, we're best in the 4-4-2 diamond. And so you're right. Where does that leave Damien Lowe? Jim Curtin calls Damien Lowe a big player in the big moment. And... You know, the playoffs are all big moments. And so how do you set a player like that on the bench? But at the same time, you know, how do you split up the partnership of Jack Elliott and Jacob Glesnes when they've been rock solid the last couple of seasons? And so, no, it's, it's tough conversations, one, to have with Damian Lowe if you're Jim Curtin. I'm sure, you know, Damian wants to be playing as much as he can. How do you tell a guy that just, like I said, had, in my opinion, his best game in a union shirt? Yeah, you're going back to the bench. We're going to go back to playing Jacob and Jack. I don't know. I mean, it's a really good question. That's why I was going to throw it your way. Maybe you guys have the answer. I, I don't. Um, I think you probably start Jacob and Jack in the playoffs. You, you stick in that 4 for 2 diamond formation just because, you know, majority of the season, they've got you here. They proved it last year that they helped you get to an MLS Cup. And the union wanted to run it back. Why not stick with the players that you said, you know what, you got to see last year, let's continue to try to do it. And if it doesn't work out, then then you blow the whole thing up. And I mean, as much as that hurts to say, you, you don't want to see a Julian Kranz, Kai Wagner potentially leave. You know, these players aren't going to stay around forever. And that's why, you know, Last year just felt like careers for so many of these players. And last year, in my opinion, felt like the year. It felt like the year that the Union should have won MLS Cup. And yes, you can argue the 2021 season, the COVID year, where half the squad gets covered against New York City. And that wasn't a very good Portland squad that New York City saw in the MLS Cup final. And if the Union would have beat New York City, then the Union are hosting MLS Cup. And you, you got to imagine that with the atmosphere at Subaru Park, that's why the Union players fans staff wanted to host the final last year but it came down to you know the the wind differential and jim Curtin complains about it all the time you know it should be goal differential like it is all around the rest of the world but it's not how mls operates and and so i i don't know what you do with damian Lowe, but you know j just roll with the players that got you here last year roll with the players that have been here majority of the season and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out you know the front three, Jim says that all the time, are going to take you as far as they take you. And so if they're not clicking, then this team's not going to go far in MLS Cup. But one thing I will say to you guys, and I'm curious on your opinion. Last year, I think it's pretty clear and obvious that LAFC and the Union were the two best teams in MLS. And we saw them in the final. This year, I'm not really sure who is the best team. I know Cincinnati won the Supporters' Shield. Nobody's really close to them. But Cincinnati hasn't been in the greatest form here the last couple of weeks. You know, they've not proved it that they can just roll teams over in the playoffs. And so I'm still waiting on them to prove it. So I, I don't think there's any strong number one. Oh, yeah, this team for sure is going to be an MLS Cup final this season. Trend follows, right? So Cincinnati wins the Supporter Shield. You remember what happened when we won the Supporter Shield, right? Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that trend will continue there. But 
Uh, for I mean, for us in particular, and you mentioned Damian Lowe, I think it's going to come down to what you have available. You've gone through the three-back set because in the midfield you've been missing pieces, and that's the only way you can put out the best 11 out there. So I, I think that's what it's going to come down to. It's really going to be what you have available, especially in the midfield. Obviously, I know Lowe, and especially like it feels like in those type of situations, that's like where you want to put Lowe. So that makes it really difficult. But no, I mean, the the attributes that he has makes it so hard to bench him. We talk about the athletic ability, but this team always plays as one collective unit. And like you mentioned, Ellie and Glasses were fantastic last year. I don't know how you steer away from that. But no, the problem is too, Todd, is that the, the Western Conference is not what it w- was last year. I mean, like St. Louis, fantastic year. Inaugural season, fan- I, I, I love what they did. But they're not the second best team in the MLS, in my honest opinion. That's that's kind of where the problem lies there. Yeah, I think it's it's tough because the center back role is not one you can be as flexible with. First of all, you're not rotating center backs. You know, <laughs> you want to have the same two center backs the full 90 minutes. You only are really changing if it's like we've seen an injury or something like that. Now, on the other side, I know there was talks of, you know, is there a way to get all three of them on the field and it'd be a four back and maybe you push Jack Elliott up into the midfield. We've seen and heard all that discussion. I don't think, I don't think you, it's a shame for Damian Lowe because he's playing very well. He's just had his best game, but unfortunately you do have to go with what works. And especially come postseason time, there's not a lot of room for error on the back line. And we've seen for goalies, just like we've seen for center backs where there's a really great backup but they're not getting those minutes because the two in front of them or the guy in front of them is just better. So I don't know if there's a way to get them all on the field unless it's a three-back system. I'm not a big fan of the three-back system in general. Um, I know we've talked about it on the show before. I just don't think it gives you as much room for the movement, the creativity, the flexibility. Um, I, I, I gets iffy on, this, on the back line. You're playing with three center backs, essentially. You're going now three for three sometimes against opponents front three, it leaves you very susceptible to transition and a lot of opportunities the other way. Yes. It allows you to get more numbers forward, but then you have to make sure you're staying on your P's and Q's to get those numbers back. So while I think it would, it would work. It has worked. We've seen it work come playoff time. I, I love the four, four, two diamond midfield. Um, I love the, the movement that that allows and just, or four, three, three, even, yeah. um, you know, there's more flexibility within that. So I'm not sure we're going to have an answer that makes sense because it's one of those things. It's like a double-edged sword that Damian Lowe's made it very difficult for Jim and all of us to easily say, this is what, you know, you have to go with Jack and Jacob, but you have to go with Jack and Jacob, in my opinion, until Damian can consistently put together game after game after game. So that's not this season, obviously, with just one regular season game left that we can test that out. But Todd, we thank you so much for taking time to join us. This time flew by. We appreciate you carving out um, time to weigh in on the union, share your thoughts. We'll absolutely have to have you back on to talk more about the union uh, as the season progresses, as the offseason beginning to that, whenever that happens. So thank you again. Uh, remind everybody where they can follow you, though, before you, you sign off. Yeah, first off, uh, thanks so much, Renee, Johnny, and uh, everybody behind the scenes, you know. Uh, no, nobody gives any credit to the people that run the show, so I want to give a shout-out to everybody, all the producers. So shout-out to the producers. But, uh, yeah, you guys can follow me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, at It's a Todd's Life. Uh, the podcast is at Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And then my YouTube channel is uh, youtube.com slash Pod, where I do um, goal breakdown videos. I, I love analytics and everything like that. So I like to 
look how a goal was made or how a goal was defended. So I break all that stuff down. So again, youtube.com slash free kick pod and uh, wherever you get your podcast, the free kick. And uh, next time I come on, got to be in studio. So I uh, got to sh- check out that awesome space you guys have there. Definitely. We'd love to have you here in person, Todd, because it's much better when we can have you sitting here with us chatting it up. Uh, So thank you, Todd Lewis, host of Free Kick Pod. As you guys heard, check him out, subscribe, follow, see all the great work he's doing around his soccer coverage. And Todd, we'll see you on the uh, Union Fantasy Media Camp on Thursday. So see you soon, buddy. (laughs) Nobody get hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for those of you that are looking for tickets to be able to um, check out any games or concerts, you can always head over to the Game Time app. The Game Time app is a place you get discounts on any of your purchases. They already have great prices. It makes it easy. I've got the app on my phone. An easy way to find tickets to anything you're trying to check out. Use that code PHLY. Get $20 off of your purchase at the Game Time app. All right, guys. That was Todd Lewis. We had to get into um, and, and broke down a lot from Nashville. There's a lot more we can talk about in general from this team, from what we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. I know you guys in the chat have been sharing some of your thoughts. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, commenting, Please. joining on the conversation with us here because we're not talking at you. We're talking with you, okay? Um, the union have absolutely been struggling offensively to score goals. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of conversation around that, but there's also been – the fact they've still, they've still stayed in a good spot in the standings. So I know we've got a standings update for you guys that we'll take a look at too. Um, the standings, despite all the ties, wild enough. Here we still sit at that number three spot. Lucky number three. That's my number. Um, but in 33 matches played, the Union still sit at number three. They are five points behind Orlando City. We talked about in our last show on Friday and on Thursday as well about trying to close the gap and catch Orlando City. Unable to do that. And then also, um, you know, sitting just one point above Columbus. Columbus Mm. with 54. New England with 52. So that matchup against New England to close out the regular season, huge to remain in that number three spot. Not to mention Columbus is obviously chomping at the bits on their heels. And you want to make sure you're keeping that at arm's distance. So a lot to keep an eye on around standings because – you know, you, you are playing for something with, the, with yeah. the playoff format the way that it is, the changes in that. You want to make sure you can have home games. You want to make sure that you're able to um, just finish out the, the regular season on a high note. So the union are looking to close out that last, that lone final regular yeah. season game and stay in that number three spot since they can't catch Orlando City. And you would typically think like with the final match of the regular season, you can relax, you know, maybe put in some of those kids in there to kind of, you know, just, just, just to rest some of the starters. But... No, with the way the Eastern Conference looks right now, there's no room for error. New England also gunning for you as well. Uh, Columbus did you did do you solid? They did draw, uh, draw against Atlanta, so they weren't able to jump you. Thankfully. And we get to stay in Renee's lucky number three spot, which is huge. And I, I think that's a perfect spot because if you look at it right now, Renee, the matchup would be Atlanta. I feel comfortable at home going up against Atlanta again. With Gonzalo Pineda talking all that crap. So I'm, I'm in on that for sure. Yeah, you want that smoke. We'll bring yes. it your way. Um, yeah, it, it is now about the matchup of who they would play, who they match up well with. Um, you know, it's you're in. You're in the playoffs at this point. So we, we know there's that pressure off of your shoulders. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think looking at the union to draw in the last eight games, only two victories out of that encouraging that they didn't lose those you don't want to go into the postseason with a losing skid so yeah we'll be we'll put on our positive patty i guess and and, and, and just to kind of end off with nashville like 
I want to look at that as a positive because that was a playoff-like atmosphere. The intensity of the match was a playoff-like match as well, and you walked away with the draw. Now, come playoff time, if you're nil-nil after 90 minutes, obviously we all know what happens after that. Yeah. Nobody wants that, but hey, we want to win. So I, I think that what you saw on Saturday should be a positive uh, because Nashville, that's what they do. They, they just hold it down. Exactly. So lots of positives. We saw some good performances. We saw, you know, some great takeaways of just defensive effort. You know, over these last games, we've seen them hold teams scoreless and get clean sheets, which is something that they've talked about. Mm -hmm. We've seen them generate more shots and chances, which is something that they've talked about. So mm -hmm. there is, although it may not feel like it with all the draws that we've had, takeaways you can have for this of how they are at least trending in the right direction. Yes. So there's a positive. Now, the NFL season is going strong. Let's talk about the other football for a moment, at least. And then we'll get back <laughs> to the football we love. And at DraftKings Sportsbook, they're hooking new customers up with a deal that's even stronger. You can bet $5 on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. The code on your screen is the code you can use to get that deal, P-H-L-Y. And at DraftKings, you download the app. You use code PHLY and new customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code PHLY that you can use only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. If you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for gambling problems. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. And on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, you've got to be 21 plus. The age does vary by jurisdiction. It's void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. You can see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, let's get back to the football that we do love. Uh, talking about the union now. One thing we don't love, unfortunately, is the consistent discussion around Kai Wagner and the fact that we can all see the writing on the wall as we're getting closer and closer to the playoffs means our time with Kai possibly oh, coming man. to an end. And Kai, not only have we been talking about his time coming to an end, he posted about it on Instagram, JP. He did. My man's been him and his family have been busy on Instagram. This is, I, I know, Renee, you're big on the tea, but this is not the tea that I wanted here. <laughs> Let me sip my tea while you drop some tea. <laughs> no, so, I mean, obviously, like, shouts Jose, who did put out that report initially a month ago about Kai Wagner when he spoke to him in the locker room. This would be his final season. And as we're nearing closer to the season, we're getting more writing on the wall. Kai Wagner did post a post on his Instagram stories Pretty much, and we can see it here on the screen. You can, you guys can see it there. It's going to be my last regular season match, and he's referring to, obviously, Saturday's match against Nashville. He says, let's get it, and let's enjoy it. So that post comes out, and immediately you go on Twitter, and all you see on your, on your following page is this post right here exactly. So that didn't start off well. And then Kai Wagner's wife, I guess they went to New York uh, a couple of days beforehand, oh. and they did one last trip up there, and she also posted... This would be her last time in New York living in the state. So the writing is kind of on the wall. Um, so during the 27th minute of the match, Union fans decided to come out in a chant for pay Kai Wagner. Again, I love this camaraderie. I love when the fan base comes together for this cause because, look, Kai is one of us. We saw him come here from the third division in Germany. He's become one of the best fullbacks, and he's, he's one of us. He's a Philly guy now, and it, it's, it's heartbreaking. Now, I want to bring up, because I know everyone wants to blame the front office. 
Taylor Twalman did bring up a very interesting tweet that we all need to talk about. So Taylor on uh, the eight, two days ago here on Sunday, he did post out a quote tweet. He said, Kai will make more money in Philly than anywhere else, but I'm hearing three teams will make Kai a maximum offer. They can, they can to sign him as a free agent, but it may not be enough to keep Kai in the MLS. So it makes it very interesting. So essentially this is, this is how it's probably going to work. Kai either will stay in Philadelphia with a solid deal or he's going back to Europe because MLS teams can't pay much more than what the union can offer. I think it's 15% more than what they can offer than Philly. And why would, why would Kai stay for that? You might as well just stay in Philly with a good deal. So it seems like it's between Philadelphia and it's between Europe. And if you've been following Kai for the past couple of years, Europe has been his dream. He's been looking at it. He's been wanting to go there. He's not been shy to admit to that. And so I think this is where we're at. It's not per se Sugarman open up the checkbook. It's more so Kai, what do you want, my dude? Do you want to stay in Philly or do you want to, you know, go reach your goals and your dreams and play in Europe? And you really can't be mad at that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean... I don't like that they said my last, my last, my last. You didn't have to do us like that. Um, They're really like building this up. (laughs) Yeah, they really are. And here's the thing. It could be their last because they just don't want to go to New York again. It could be their last because (laughs) it's just the last regular. Exactly. It's the last regular season of game of, of, excuse me, last home game of the regular season. And that's kind of where you're going with it. Um, so I'm trying not to read too much into it, but I don't really like the post. And obviously got everybody in uproar, including us. And we were all in a tizzy afterwards because it's like, holy crap. They're basically telling us what we already know. But the other part of this is, as you mentioned, Kai Wagner has been very, very adamantly talking about wanting to, to get out of the MLS, wanting to get paid the money deserved. I know we talked about it on the show many times. In fact, Jose Nunez was someone we talked about on the show about it on the show with. Um, you know, the money that Kai Wagner is wanting is just not there. Yeah. The MLS, unfortunately, with all the strides we've seen in the league, and even as much as we talk about all the games that they play, all the games are being played as part of the growth of the league. That's a chance to get the product in front of new eyes, you're playing in front of new audiences. You're bringing in, you know, teams from other leagues. So now you're you're kind of cross-collaborating. It's the same way we cross-collaborate on social media. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. You're collaborating with other leagues to get more fans, to get more views, to get more eyes, to get more people talking about it. So all this is to grow the league. But unfortunately, the league is still not at a spot to be able to pay Kai Wagner what he's looking for. And I know we had an opportunity to take a look at the salaries. It's very eye-opening, actually. Because Kai Wagner wants more around $1.1, $1.2 million. Now, this is a list currently of all of the players across the roster that are making more than $630,000 of base salary. Of course, there's always guaranteed salaries. It gets finicky with the terms and conditions. So Kai Wagner's at the bottom of that screen making $630,000. When you look across this right roster, Mikel Ure making the most, you know, Kai's looking for more of that $1.1, $1.2 million spot. But when you look here, um, there's only a couple guys that are making it, even in the millions. There's not Ali Bodoya, Jacob Glasnitz, you know, Julian Carranza. They're, they're teetering on it, but they're not even, they haven't cracked seven figures yet. So... It's hard because you're demanding something, and this is the most eye-opening thing. Now, JP, you and I were talking about this before the show. Yeah. What, what are your first initial thoughts when you look at this? This is absolutely insane. Renee, honestly, all these players should be making north of a million dollars. 
Like, these guys are some of the best at their position in this league for them to make that much. Look, two things. Obviously, it's kudos to Ernst to be able to sign these players and our team to be able to develop because all these players have been improving since they've gotten to Philly. For sure. But number two, like, Sugarman, are you okay with this? Like, these are guys who are putting their blood, sweat, and tears for this team to put it where it's been. We've been one of the most successful clubs in the MLS over the past couple of years, and this is what we're paying them? I get it. We're going through the salary cap. It's not the most here in the MLS. Hopefully, with what we've been seeing over the past year, it will improve. But that's wild. And this is still one of the best teams in the MLS over the past couple of years. And look at look at look at that. This the the, the payroll. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely crazy. But for sure, Kai. I mean, six hundred thousand. Absolutely not. So I did take a little dabble. Um, Richie Larey, who right now is on loan with Vancouver, he's a product of Nottingham Forest. He used to play for Toronto. He makes about 1.1 mil, and he's probably the most expensive fullback we have in this league. So that kind of like paints the picture of the position in this league. It doesn't really get paid a lot. There's not a lot of good ones either, and Kai's obviously the best one there. So definitely got to keep that in consideration, but it's going to be tricky. Um, it does feel like Kai is poking the bear a little bit with some of these posts and talking to the media and whatnot. Um, and he... he I, honestly, he's probably playing this maybe the right way. He might he might get what he wants. We'll, we'll see about that. But uh, it's it's Europe or it's the union paying the money. And that's really what's going to yeah. happen with Kai Wagner after this year. Yeah, I mean there are across the league there are other guys that are making two three million dollars. Um, you know, LAFC, according to whatever I just pulled up, because I'm not going to act like I'm an expert on and pulling the most up to date numbers of what their salary is. But LAFC has about Tom six, here, seven guys that are making above a million dollars. Um, someone like Carlos Vela is making about three million dollars. Um, you know, it's it's possible, but again, it's positionally wise. I don't know. In terms of the union in the MLS, yeah. I don't know. The union and Ali Bedoya talked about this in the show. Notoriously, our team that's. On the cheap side, let's be yeah. honest. They don't they don't pay the money that it takes to keep guys a franchise in a club like Inter Miami or even Cincinnati. I know that's been that's been one too. Um, I know Jose, you're talking about stick it to the union, go to Cincinnati. Cincinnati's been floated around there also. Um, but LAFC, Inter Miami, those are clubs that pay players. Yeah, they're not afraid to to pay the extra buck. The union like to keep it cheap because the union focus on homegrowns. Mm-hmm. Now it's paid off in a big way, quite literally, because you don't have to pay homegrowns as much. They're younger. And I, I made the joke earlier, but this is the American mindset in the workforce. Pay the young kids coming out of college and you don't have to, you bring them in, they could do the exact same amount of work for less versus paying someone that's been in the seat, in, in this case, in the league or in the corporate world, in the industry for longer. Yeah. You don't want to pay the older people that because they deserve more money. You're going to pay the youngsters, the kids, because you can get away with paying a Jack McGlynn or Nate Harriel or Brendan Aronson back in the day, whoever it is, pay them less. And then once they get to a point that they deserve more, time to go. So that's been the union's MO, unfortunately, that yeah. it's been like, let's, let's do the homegrown system. We get them through the academy. We bring them in for cheap. They might log 90 minutes. You know, they'll be a big name player. But when they get too big, they're out of here. And, you know, and obviously the roster restrictions have to be lifted because it doesn't matter if you're, if you're a team like Philly or, or a team like Miami. Like, we see more people are interested in this, in this league. You know, yeah. European players are more intrigued by it. I mean, you're going to start seeing players in their prime start considering coming here because of playing mm-hmm. time. And that's things that the MLS needs to start preparing for. And we need to alleviate some of these roster restrictions. 
And with the homegrown, like I'm all for, you know, building a core, but like you can't just strictly rely on that. Mm-mm. Like if you, if, if the kid is not like, let's just an example, the Anton Sorensen is, is a left back in the homegrown system. Just as an example, if Anton Sorensen is the answer to left back position and he's not ready, we got to buy someone. Yeah. And that's something that they need to do. I look at the forward position. They rolled with Joaquin Torres as like a as a hybrid 10, 9. And they relied on Chris Donovan and Quinn Sullivan. I mean, no offense, but those guys were not ready for that. And they've given us a lot of effort. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discredit that. But I mean, you, you can guys can clearly tell. I mean, Chris Donovan and Quinn Sullivan have the restrictions. Mm-hmm. And so for the union, they need to they need to start expanding the pocket, just like just like Ian said. Yeah, Ian and Jose, you're absolutely right. You guys keep the comments coming. Keep the likes coming. uh, Share your thoughts on this because we're talking about Kai Wagner. We've talked about the union overall, but specifically when it comes to Kai Wagner or paying players, the union have been a team that they like to bring in. It's like bringing in interns um, (laughs) and bringing in entry-level employees versus the more senior-level executive. So you are bringing in with that. Yes, you're getting the young guys. You give them time to develop and grow. But like you're mentioning, that can't be the only way you're bringing in talented players because – they have a whole different experience. You know, they now have to learn. They've got to take their lumps. They've got to mature. They've got to grow within the league versus you having a mixture of bringing in some seasoned veterans that now can come right in and hit the ground running. And I do feel like, unfortunately, that's been an area the union have struggled with because it's it's like, let me bring in guys for cheaper that you now know you can cut back on costs. And I don't like that 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 mindset. That is such a corporate mindset. Yeah. But it is a business at the end of the day. We do know that. And it hasn't bit the union fully in the butt because they've still been able to be successful and win and, you know, go far. But I think Kai Wagner is really blowing the, the gates wide open here that, like, no, 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 you cannot continue this model because right now it's Kai. Who's it going to be next year? Who are we going to – who's, who's going to be the next player, the next veteran? There's a lot of talented – you talk about – Defensive player of the year and Jacob Glesnes, goalkeeper of the year and Andre Blake, Ali Badouya. You know, you look at the future of this team, you cannot continue having these staples of your team that you can't keep because you don't want to pay them. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like Kai's going to try to hold the same president, like maybe like, like take it to NFL Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. You know, the fullback position is not a position that notoriously gets paid, not even just this league and worldwide soccer in general. And you look at the running back position in the NFL, like nobody wants to pay these players. And it's kind of a similar thing. And I wonder if Kai is going to try to hold that precedent, pay these players because they are so important. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but, you know, Renee, with it being the international break, I decided to bring in my Columbia hat and it made me just think I need some more gear. So why not check out our new partner here at PHLY, FOCO. Check out FOCO guy. They are, the, they are our leading manufacturer of sports and em- entertainment merchandise. With product line that includes apparel, accessory, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. Best official licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's football. It's tailgating seasons. Overalls. I mean, you saw Renee and Jamie with the overalls. <laughs> Definitely got to copy some of that. Hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, and more. Foco has hooked up PHLY and, uh, and have provided us with some awesome prices for, for all sets. Uh, for right, right now, if you head over to the descriptions below in, in our video... Use our code PHLY for 10% off. Make sure you guys check out FOCO and thank you to our partner, FOCO. Yes. Well, listen, there's a lot we can continue to talk about. We do have the international break coming up. Mm-hmm. Love the hat, by the way. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Colombia. Rep in Colombia. I love it. We have a lot coming up in the international break. It might be a break in the MLS 
schedule, but mm-hmm. there's plenty to talk about with international call-ups. We're going to be keeping an eye on, obviously, everything unfolding with Kai Wagner. We've got more to continue talking about with that because there's plenty more to dive into. And um, on our future shows, we'll have a chance to really unpack it. That's part of the one thing the break is giving us is a chance to dive deeper into some of these topics. There's no games to recap or preview, so it gives us a chance to talk about it. So make sure you guys are following us at PHLY underscore union on Twitter. We're also at PHLY underscore sports on every on everything. Yeah. Obviously, you're here on YouTube if you're watching. If you're listening to us on podcast platforms, make sure you guys are subscribing, you're following, you're keeping up to date because not only are we talking about the union, we're talking about some great opportunities coming up, giveaways, if- events. You know, we've got plenty. Obviously, we also even have with the Phillies in the playoffs, the, the union are coming up on their postseason, so we'll have stuff for them too. With the Phillies in the playoffs, we've got some tailgates, including one on Wednesday. So this upcoming Wednesday, the PHOY crew has an official tailgate. It'll be 1.30 to 4.30. I know it's a, it's an early start, but there's a 5.07 start for that game three for the uh, Braves-Phillies. So headed back to Citizens Bank Park, tied with the series split 1-1. The Phillies are returning back, and so are we. So we're going to have a nice tailgate for you guys. For anybody that's able to come out and have some fun with us, there'll be food, drinks. We're just going to be playing games, having fun, jamming, celebrating, Right at you on the Phillies. So plenty of fun things to come, JP. And if I may, just real quick, guys, and as well, like if you guys have something you want us to cover, talk about, our Good DMs point. are open, please let us know. We we want to talk soccer, so please. Good point. There's plenty of topics to talk about, and we're human, so we might not get to all of them. But in the course of our shows, you can always let us know. You can jump in the comments and let us know also your thoughts because we've got plenty more coming your way on not only union coverage, but MLS coverage, international breaks, and yes. tournaments, and leagues, and all types of stuff that we'll be getting into. So continue to follow, subscribe, keep up to date with what we've got going on here. Um, if you aren't already, you can also become a diehard because our diehard members yes. get discounts to these great events. We're just giving you all the, the codes and the discounts here, guys. Um, as a diehard member of PHLY, you get a free shirt, but you also get a chance to get discounts to events such as any sort of tailgates we're throwing, parties we're throwing, game watching, you know, we're watch parties, I should say. Anything we've got going on at PHLY, you get a nice discount. So... After we've given you all the cheat codes (laughs) (laughs) with that, we have uh, more shows coming up Thursday. As we talked about JP, myself, our entire crew, honestly, producer Andrews will be down there with us. Um, Coach Tyler Zuli. We'll have a lot of people that are down there. Our social media crew. We're all going to be down there at Subaru Park on Thursday for the media fantasy camp. JP. I'm excited. I'm excited excited. too. I'm excited too. And then Friday, we're back here. We're back here for more. Uh, that'll be a nice 3.45, I believe, is when we're starting. Um, start time for our show. <laughs> and you guys can join us live. And, again, if you ever miss us, you can always listen back on podcast platforms. There you go. Yes. It's the beauty of it. So for my partner, JP, I'm Renee Washington, our producer, Andrew. Thank you so much for tuning in to PHLY Union Podcast. Have a great rest of your day. See you guys on Friday for more live shows. But, of course, between then, now and then, we've got more content coming your way. Make sure you're following, subscribed, and up to date on all things union with us here at PHLY. Doop. Yes. <laughs>